I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome back to ALP. To give sort of an update of the week, a pretty major one, if you will, A Little Perspective officially turned one years old. This past Wednesday, the 15th, marked an entire year since the first episode of the show went live on streaming platforms, so it was a really cool day. And to commemorate this milestone, I designed a post for A Little Perspective's Instagram account that kind of featured some highlights from the past year of the show. So it included some accomplishments I've made, for example, features I've had in the news and this independent publishing site. It also included some really sweet feedback from listeners and a look into how the logo was designed, etc. But what really caught my attention when I was designing this little visual post for Instagram was the episode slide that I worked on. Basically, I compiled a little collage of some of my favorite topics I've researched, episodes that I've published, and just, you know, put it all together on one slide. And I never realized how many topics I've discovered while doing this podcast. And I think that's honestly one of the best aspects of it that I really never discuss on here. You know, I think most people assume that for me, a little perspective is solely a mode of teaching others when in reality, I learned so much from this podcast too. Essentially, every topic I discuss on here is like a mini project for me. I research and learn about the topic from the base up and then kind of report my findings, if you will, to the people who want to learn, meaning the listeners. But to circle back to this post I was working on for Instagram, I never realized how many different topics I discussed on the show until I was looking at that visual I made. You know, so many different topics, so many different things I've learned and maybe helped other people learn, hopefully. And I never realized until I looked at the post. And so even just seeing that made me realize, wow, I've done so much. Like, I put a lot of effort into this, you know, essentially writing essays every single week to publish. And the point of me saying this isn't to say I'm such a hard worker, but rather to say that now that I'm working on this during the summer, when I'm not in school, I really don't have to be doing anything even adjacent to educational. It's a lot harder to find that motivation to want to continue doing that. And before I continue, no, this is not me trying to announce that I'm leaving the podcast immediately, but rather me trying to connect this lack of motivation that many people, including myself, feel when it comes to working on projects out of school to something called the Summer Slide. While it sounds like a tourist attraction at a water park in Florida, the Summer Slide is anything but fun. So continue listening to learn all about it, including what it is, the implications of it, and how you can help stop it. Before I get into why the summer slide happens or how to stop it, as always, it's necessary to establish what the summer slide even is. Also known as summer learning loss, the notorious summer slide is just that, the loss of knowledge accumulated during the school year that takes place during the summer break in the absence of educational instruction. This effectively leads to students returning back to school in the fall with lower achievement levels than when they started their summer vacations. To be frank, summer learning loss is something that I'm pretty sure most students have experienced at some point in their lives, but just don't like to acknowledge. A really common trope often used in children's TV, I think just in the entertainment industry in general, is that children do not like learning, they hate being in school, and when summer vacation begins, their brains just turn to mush. And while that last phrase was obviously an exaggeration, there is some truth in the fact that students aren't able to retain all of the knowledge that they learned during the school year and, you know, transfer that over to the summer and the next school year. And when I was younger, much like most of my peers, I simply accredited this decline in knowledge to the summer. You know, the presence of summer vacation simply means that we don't remember anything. As in, that's just how it is. Summer vacation does that to students. When in reality, the summer slump or summer slide, whatever you want to call it, can definitely be accredited to a lack of engagement. 
By engagement, I'm referring to that of the educational route specifically, and it's during the summer break where many students find themselves not stimulating their minds academically. Now, this lack of educational engagement during the summer constitutes something known as summer slide, which I previously mentioned. And according to a research study referenced in an article by the Brookings Institution, researchers found three distinct features about the summer slide. Number one. On average, students' achievement scores declined over summer vacation by one month's worth of school year learning. Number two, declines were sharper for math than for reading. Number three, the extent of learning loss was larger at higher grade levels. Now, looking at this data, I have come to the conclusion that summer learning loss or the summer slide is a much more complex and legitimate issue than many people make it out to be. When I was researching for this episode, I came across a lot of criticisms about summer learning loss, and specifically about the term itself, not even what constitutes it or why it occurs. The people making these criticisms would essentially complain that summer learning loss or the summer slide is just a term used to shield or protect lazy students who don't want to learn. But in reality, summer learning loss is a very real and legitimate issue. And I feel that a statistic which definitely showcased the truth and the validity in the existence of summer learning loss was the last one that I mentioned, which was talking about how the extent of learning loss seen by students is much greater for higher grade levels. And when you reflect on this little statistic, it makes perfect sense given that students in higher grade levels are typically learning more complex topics, learning a lot more information than people in you know, lower grade levels, which makes it a lot harder to retain so much more information that's typically more difficult to even learn in the first place. So when you look at how the summer slump or the summer slide affects students in higher grade levels and does in lower ones, it's much easier to realize that summer learning loss is a very real thing, which doesn't happen because students are quote-unquote lazy or they don't want to do anything, but rather because of a lack of educational engagement, which typically affects people in higher grade levels because there's so much more information that they have to retain, which it's hard to do during the summer break. I also found it very interesting that there were specific subjects that were easier to retain for students than others. For example, the declines were in learning loss were much sharper for math than for reading overall. I think that this is definitely a nod to the prevalence of reading versus math in the outside world. And when I say reading versus math, I'm talking specifically about what's taught in the you know, modern American school curriculum. During the summer vacation, or just breaks in general, it's much more likely for a student to have to read something, whether that be an online article or an actual physical book, rather than having to use something like the Pythagorean theorem. And this isn't to say that math is unnecessary in the American educational curriculum, but rather to say that it is very obvious what students choose to prioritize when it comes to learning, when it comes to being in school. Reading is something that a lot of students, I think, are able to retain a lot easier than equations and memorizing different theorems and rules that they come across in classes like geometry. And while this detail might seem small and irrelevant right now, it definitely alludes to the complexity of summer learning loss, given that students are able to retain one subject more than they are another another, and some students in higher grade levels feel the effects of summer learning loss much more than people in lower grade levels. This is all to say that the summer slide has layers, which can definitely be seen through the effects that it has on students of differing grade levels. But this growing conversation surrounding learning loss in students makes many wonder why it occurs conveniently between the months of June and whenever students go back to school. So let's explore why summer learning loss occurs in the first place. It's no surprise that during the summer, many students' learning flattens. But the reasoning for why this happens can be divided into two main categories, with the first being the viewpoint that many people have of summer break. Generally speaking, summer break is viewed as just that, a break from school. 
And while that is the basic definition of summer vacation, there is an issue that becomes apparent when you realize that many are pressured into thinking that summer break is where you should try to get as far away as you can from learning or anything even adjacent to education. Which brings me to my second reason for the occurrence of the summer slide, an avoidance of academic stimulation. Essentially, reason one, or the viewpoint that many have of summer break, effectively leads to the occurrence of reason two, which is the avoidance of anything academic. I think the first issue that can be seen here is the fact that many don't realize that learning isn't solely related to math or science or really any subject taught in school. Intelligence is tied to real-world abilities and experiences, so things like simply making a schedule for yourself or learning a new skill count as modes of learning or academic stimulation. And because so many people associate learning with things such as math, science, equations, writing, and only, they often avoid doing anything enriching during the summer, which leads to the summer slide that we see in so many students. So I think a common theme that I'm seeing here that is the root of a lot of the issues that stem from the summer slide, which I mentioned so many times, is the viewpoint of summer break. People tend to view learning as something that can occur only in a classroom or only in a school setting, when in reality, it occurs in almost every day of our lives, in normal settings, just in the real world. As long as you're in existing in the real world, you can learn things. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be confined to the curriculum that we see in math or science, things as specific as that. It can be really anything. I think summer should be viewed as a time for personal growth and learning, which again, does not have to be confined to whatever is learned or taught in the classroom specifically, but rather whatever we didn't know. If you learn something new, it's learning, as long as it's something you didn't know before. But that common association of summer and nothing related to education is what draws so many people from being able to learn or grow in their own knowledge because they're so scared of having to actually do something even adjacent to sitting in a classroom or learning, not knowing that learning isn't something that exists solely in an academic setting. It could be done at your own home. And this viewpoint that many people share of summer break being something meant for rest and rest only, no expanding of your knowledge, no learning or personal growth, is what leads to a lack of summer learning opportunities and programs at the local and state level. When educators and people in general teach students, impressionable people, that summer should not be used as a mode of personal growth or an expansion of knowledge, it leads to, again, no summer programs, a lack of engagement, educationally speaking, during the summer for students, and growing children, which is something that leads to the intensifying nature of the summer slump or the summer slide every single year. And I think a reason why this situation continues to occur every single year is because people, oftentimes students and educators alike, view summer break in such a comical way. You know, there's a very common um, experience that many students have on the first day or first week back in school where new teachers will ask students, oh, what did you do this summer? And many times students will say, I did nothing. I didn't do anything. I went to my fridge and back to my bed. And it's, you know, a funny moment. Teachers laugh. They encourage comments like that. But when I think about it, it really does make me realize that many students think that doing things over the summer are solely related to, oh, I traveled to a very far location or I did this massive thing. When in reality, just existing and learning new things 
is personal growth, which is definitely doing something, which is the entire point of summer. Yes, rest is a focal aspect of summer vacation even existing in the way that it does, but personal growth is also another reason why it exists, and personal growth is something that can help curb the effects of the summer slide or the summer slump in students. So when teachers say things like, oh, it's fine if all you did was, you know, uh, eat and breathe and sleep, it kind of dismisses the fact that learning and being productive over the summer doesn't just mean doing these massive monumental or very significant things, even just reading a new book or trying to learn a couple words in a different language. That's growth and that's stimulating your brain, educationally speaking, during the summer, which is what many students tend to avoid and try. They put effort into avoiding because there's a view that summer should be used for doing nothing at all. And unless you're doing something huge, you shouldn't, you're just, you're doing nothing at all. And I think those extremes, those two polar opposites that many students feel that they're confined to during the summer break is the reason why many students choose to just avoid anything educational at all. And again, educational doesn't just mean, oh, solving this equation or solving for X or writing an essay every day. It just means learning something. And that doesn't have to occur in a classroom. But as aforementioned, the summer slide is an issue with layers, one of which relates to an economic lens. A major aspect that I attributed to being the reason why summer learning loss exists in the way that it does was the lack of educational engagement or enrichment opportunities offered at the local and state levels, but I couldn't help but wonder how this could affect people in low-income areas, in less affluent areas that maybe aren't exposed or maybe don't have as much accessibility to these programs that are meant to be specialized for students. And after doing a little bit of research, I found a specific study that set out to find whether or not differences could be observed in how the summer slide affects students of varying economic classes, which was focused on third grade students specifically. Now, before I go into the findings, I wanted to read an excerpt from the study's introduction to give a little bit of context. Research spanning 100 years has proven that students lose ground academically when they are out of school for the summer. The problem is particularly acute among low-income students who lose an average of more than two months in reading achievement in the summer, which slows their progress toward third-grade reading proficiency. Now, even just reading this introduction to the study alone, I can tell that there is a domino effect that can be observed when talking about racial inequity within the United States. To give a bulleted example of how this domino effect works, the transatlantic slave trade happened after slavery was quote-unquote banned within the United States. The Jim Crow era started happening. It existed for a while. Redlining occurred. Many black individuals within the United States weren't able to build generational wealth. As a result, many black Americans live in poverty that is due to generational issues that are caused by, of course, systemic racism. As a result, they have less accessibility to things that are needed like mental health care, good summer enrichment programs, good educational programs in schools in general. And then we see that these summer slides intensify the disparities between them and their counterparts in schools, within students or even educators. And when moving past the racial lens and just talking about the classism and class issues within the United States, you can tell that the summer slide isn't the reason why people are living in poverty, but rather it's, its existence, the existence of the summer slide in general, exacerbates the achievement gap between the low and higher class students that we see in American schools. So just to read from a few of those findings, the first one was that low-income students lose an average of more than two months in reading achievement in the summer, while their middle-income peers tend to make gains in reading. Second up, by the end of fifth grade, disadvantaged children are nearly three grade equivalents behind their more affluent peers in reading. 
Third, studies show six-week summer learning programs can produce statistically significant gains in reading performance. I decided to include that last finding because it perfectly explains why that achievement gap is seen in the way that it is when it comes to the effects of the summer slide or summer learning loss. While it's shown that low-income students make statistically significant declines in their reading achievement during the summer, middle-income people or students in these schools make climbs. They make increases in their reading skills over the summer. But at the exact same time, it's mentioned that six-week summer learning programs can help students increase their reading abilities and their reading skills, which tells me that a lack of summer learning or enrichment programs is one of the reasons as to why lower-income students see that decline in their reading achievement compared to middle-class students. Now, while the implications of the summer slide are extensive, there are many ways in which the effects that it has on students can be alleviated. But what many don't know is that these solutions would have to be implemented both inside and outside of the classroom, meaning during and after summer break. To start off with what can be done during summer, and probably one of the most major ones, changing the viewpoint and the focus of summer and summer school programs. The main reason why the summer slide continues to occur with such intensity is because many people view summer as a chance to avoid anything even adjacent to education and learning, which effectively causes them to not want to participate in enrichment programs or summer camps and turn away from anything that could help them expand their knowledge as students and as people. And this viewpoint of summer as a whole has even worked to influence the quality of the summer learning programs that do exist. Because summer school is solely seen as remedial, many people avoid going to them because they're viewed negatively. They're viewed as something that doesn't pose much of a benefit to students, which is often true because of their poor structures. For example, many summer programs that I know of are very short-term, they last less than a week, and they're optional. Many students choose not to go because, again, of this negative viewpoint. Not to mention, a structural issue that I see within many of these top summer school programs is that they don't offer instruction that's of quality to students who aren't in advanced programs. Therefore, they're not accessible to everyone who, especially the people who need it the most. One point that was made in an article I was reading about learning loss written by the Harvard Graduate School of Education actually stated, when conditions permit, districts can consider ways to expand summer learning opportunities and the number of students who can access these programs. This only elaborates on what I was saying. When you don't offer programs to all students or to the students that are especially vulnerable who need that academic guidance during the summer, whether they're low income and they don't have access to enrichment outside of school or not, it's important that everybody has the opportunity to even choose to come to these quality enrichment programs. So changing the nature of summer school or summer enrichment programs in general is one of the biggest solutions to ending the summer slide. And to reference the article I was mentioning beforehand, it's necessary to change the focus from narrow remediation and test preparation to one that blends academic learning and core subjects, hands-on activities, technology, and enrichment. Now, when it comes to ending the summer slide, one of the biggest and most effective solutions is actually one that should be implemented during the school year in the classroom, which is changing the focus of the curriculum. During the transition period from the school months to the summer months, so much information learned during the school year isn't retained because so many teachers and educators will teach and instruct to the test or use exam scores as the standard of learning rather than focusing on giving students enriching learning experiences. When students are taught to save all of their efforts and energy and knowledge to pour it out on a single test or a standardized exam, they often forget that information. It's simply not retained because it's not taught to 
help them expand their own personal knowledge or help them become more intelligent when speaking about the real world, but rather to help them reach a certain number on a test or a certain exam score. As a result, they forget that information because they're not passionate about it, because they don't care, because they never quite learned it. If you could, if I was typing this out, I would put learned in italics, but essentially what I'm saying here is that students are being taught to the test, and as a result, as soon as those tests are over, as soon as the school year concludes, that information just pours right out of their brains. So perhaps one of the biggest and most effective solutions to ending the summer slide would likely be to switch that curriculum focus from teaching to the test or to the specific standardized exams to helping students expand their knowledge. All in all, summer learning loss is brutal, and it's the reason why so many students return back to school in the fall, needing a refresher on everything that was taught in the previous academic year. But by shifting the focus of summer school from something that is solely remedial to something meant for personal enrichment, as well as changing that commonly held viewpoint of summer from being a time meant for no learning to a time for knowledge expansion, it's likely that the effects of summer learning loss would be alleviated. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of A Little Perspective. I hope you're able to learn something new about summer learning loss. It's something that many people don't really know much about, including myself, and I'm glad that I was able to research it and share this information on this platform. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a rating in Apple Podcasts and follow the show's Instagram at a little persp podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to tune in next week for a new episode here on A Little Perspective. (laughs)